Hey everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of Mike Adelic. I'm Mike Brancatelli. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being here. I am hanging out with my good friend Bill Burns, founder of Good Cinema. We took to the park here in Denver, Colorado for a little social distance podcast and picnic. And uh, yeah, we just kind of hung out and, and chatted as as uh, some of my best conversations always happen with some of my best friends when we're just hanging out and just rapping, waxing philosophical, you know, being armchair philosophizers and uh, sitting around talking about what we think as the world goes through this collective crisis and how we're approaching things and and what we're doing both as creative entrepreneurs um you know business owners and and uh human beings and so uh i think you guys will you guys will enjoy it you know i really uh i love getting into conversations like this i love uh you know in denver here i started doing these things called mind jams and i think i'm going to bring them to the virtual space and the whole point of it is to get more people to talk you know, and, and not to necessarily be shy or afraid or have to qualify things. You know, I'm not an academic. I'm not a scholar. You know, I'm just somebody that happens to have interest in a lot of things. And I like to express those things. And I think the best way for people to be feeling like they're heard, like they're seen, like they have a sense of sense making in the world, like they know things is to engage in dialogue with people around you and to open up. You know, I always despise the the saying, the phrase, uh, no politics or religion, no discussion, no discussion of politics and religions. Like, yeah, let's just get rid of like a majority of, of life that is extremely impactful for all of us. <laughs> it's like, no, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it, which is the tagline. It just so happens is the tagline for good cinema. Let's talk about it. So that's why I love Bill Burns, one of my best friends, and I love that he loves to get people engaged, get people talking, get people connecting, and get people sharing ideas. And that's exactly what we do, and that's exactly what we encourage everyone to do. And uh, and that that is, uh, as I mentioned, what I was doing with my mind jams was getting people to come out of their shell, to express their opinions, their views, their thoughts, and to exchange it in dialogue with other people. You know, I was listening to something that Duncan Trussell said the other day, actually. Um, I don't know why this thought just came to me. I was thinking about like technology and, you know, recently I've been uh, re-looking at uh, some things like uh, Noam Chomsky's Manufacturing of Consent and one of my favorite books of all time, Neil Postman's Amusing Ourselves to Death. And he, uh, one of the great quotes is, people will come to adore the technologies that undo their capacities to think. And it's like, yeah, man, like we totally like love just to like and be entertained. We live in an entertainment world. We live in a world where we're we're just obsessed with technologies and and this thing that Duncan said the other day was, you know, he's like you you would be around people and you'd be talking and someone would say something like, "Yeah, like where was yeah, what where was that uh where when was that show on?" Uh oh yeah Se- oh Seinfeld that was in the, that was that aired in the seventies right and like people are like what no like how could you think Seinfeld did when was the first date that Seinfeld aired you tell me I think it was nineteen seventy nine wasn't it and then like then someone would Google it and you'd find out the fact no it was nineteen eighty nine but if that if we didn't go to the technology something magical would happen which I definitely experienced you know before technology became so prevalent in our lives which is that someone would say something like that that wasn't true and you would challenge them and then where would it go from there 
And oftentimes it goes into fun. No, dude, what are, you, are you kidding me? And Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld would be like 85 years old. Are you serious? Like, you get, how could you possibly think that Seinfeld was made in the 70s? Dude, I'm telling you, I, I saw this thing. And then like they would say something and you'd go back and forth. And some fun and funniness and humor and silliness and some exploration of creativity would emerge from that. And, you, and there would be like a bonding moment among people. Imagination would be unfurled. You know, and and what Duncan was saying, which I agree with, was that's almost more important than knowing the facts. Like having that bonding, having that communication, having that dialogue, allowing for creativity and imagination and playfulness and silliness to emerge and the discovery. And, you know, maybe it goes on for a little bit and then eventually somebody checks and says, yeah, it turns out it was this. But even like the, the, I remember the great comedian Pete Holmes had the, I had a joke about this. He was like, remember not knowing? <laughs> and and he, it's a great bit. And I'm, I'm going to do it because it's so great. But you go Google it and watch Pete Holmes. I think he did it on Conan where he says, remember people would say like, hey, where's Tom Petty from? And you'd be like, oh, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. And he's like, and then you would be impregnated with wonder. And you would wonder, where is Tom Petty from? And then one day you'd meet a girl at a coffee shop and she was wearing a Tom Petty shirt. And you said, hey, where's Tom Petty from? And she'd say, Florida. And then that's how you met. That was your wife and you got married. And it was, you know, and it's just like these beautiful, magical moments can occur when, when we actually surrender into like not knowing and not necessarily always caring about the facts and just allowing the conversation to have a life of its own. And I really do enjoy that. I enjoy that a lot. And I just thought about that, you know, because of the world that we're living in right now and all the stories that are being told and all the technology that we're using to connect and share with each other and the fact checking and the data and everything. And, you know, and, and, and also looking into these, these books that, uh, these great books that I like and, um, like Neil Postman's, uh, amusing ourselves to death, which I highly recommend. And, um, and Noam Chomsky's manufacturing of consent. And, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'll probably do a solo cast. I will do a solo cast on these ideas. I want to do a solo cast about um, monopoly narratives, monopoly power, authority, um, and the uh, manufacturing of consent, the creations of illusions, necessary illusions, as Chomsky calls them, in a democratic system. And the advancement of technology that uh, augments the the human spirit and the human uh, human communication, creativity, and connection, and how uh, you know just another um, another topic or another piece to that equation is uh, talking about some things that I've been talking about on the show of of, of how. A lot of what's happening right now uh, during this crisis is um, an implementation of a technocratic, uh, more of a technocratic kind of surveillance state system uh, that will move us into a more kind of digitally, uh, you know, framed world, like a world that technology and science will be here to have all the answers and save us. You know, from if you, we just listen to these select few sources uh, that will sort of give a lot of our independence and our autonomy away, 
and be lured into, uh, you know, as, as Postman says, the technologies that undermine our capacity to think, uh, that undermine our capacity to have long conversations, uh, that, that under, you know, that, that take away the things that, that make us feel most human like being in a park and sitting in trees and connecting with people and going to music festivals, you know, doing these kinds of things. Um, and if you look at China and you look at what they're doing, they're really ahead of us in terms of that, in, in terms of like that kind of technocratic uh, way of governance. They have like a technocratic oligarchy over there with uh, facial recognition, social credit, all that kind of stuff. And recently I, I tuned into the Tim Dillon show, one of my favorite comedians, hilarious comedian, Tim Dillon, go check him out, but also really smart and, and into a lot of the same ideas that I'm into. And he had this journalist, Whitney Webb on, who basically said something that has confirmed what I've been talking about and thinking for a while, which is that the U.S. government sees China as a threat to take over world dominance of uh, the sort of technology of control. And the United States government wants to be that, that way because we always have to be the ones that export our values and ideologies to the world. So anyway, I'll do a solo podcast on all that stuff. I want to do a little bit more digging, a little bit more reading. Not research. I'm not a researcher, so I'm not doing research. I'm doing reading, and I'm doing watching, and I'm doing thinking, and then I'm doing talking. So that's what I'm doing. So I'll do that. Anyway, um, I have a new Discord server that is available to patron, uh, pa- bleh, patrons of the show. So for all of you out there that are part of the Mycadelic Patreon, you uh, support the show. You can go to uh, patreon.com slash Mike Brank, B-R-A-N-C, or you can go to my website. You can find it there. And... Um, I have uh, I used to have a WhatsApp chat group, but now I've been using Discord. I'm in a couple other Discord servers, and I really like it. It's really cool. It's got a lot of cool features, and it's also it's not a Facebook owned company, so I like that too. So if you want to be a patron, you get access to the Discord server. We got awesome people migrating over from the WhatsApp chat group, the Inner Sanctum, the Mycadelic Inner Sanctum, coming over there, and um, I think that it's going to be a really lively discussion. Uh, and I like the way that it's organized and there's like a voice channel so people could pop in and we can chat, you know, anytime that I'm on my computer, you could just pop in say hi, we could talk and you can connect with other people. So check that out. And, uh, yeah, if you're a fan of the show, please just share it and tell your friends about it. I really want to, uh, encourage everybody to start their own things, get creative, you know, get, uh, get inspired, like really reach out to me with your ideas and with uh, your thoughts and with your opinions. Um, that's, that's really what I want more of. And that's why I like this Discord server, because I like connecting with people and, and exchanging ideas and, and thoughts and uh, just making this podcast feel more like a community. So yeah, um, and then the best way that you can help out is just to tell people about it, share it. Uh, you know, a nice five-star review always helps on Apple Podcasts. Um, but anyway, I hope all of you are staying Safe, healthy, sane, uh, well, positive, and um, have some loving and caring people in your lives. And uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get in this conversation with my good friend, Bill Burns. Psychedelics are illegal, not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window 
psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject the authority. Authority is a lie. Information is power. But we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. Hello, hello. Check, check. Check one, two. Yeah, there's a tip, typical way of doing the mic check. It's always a check and always a one, two. Yeah, chickity check, microphone check, one. Yeah. There's no, I always find that there's like, it's it's always difficult for me. I have to conjure up like a, like a facade of an intro when I'm, when I'm doing like hosting something or doing, everybody does. You can't just like come out and open an event with just like, hey, what's up, everyone? Why not? That's how I open events. No, you I don't have entrance music. No, no, I'm not entrance. <laughs> mu- I'm not talking about entrance, entrance music, but like you have to kind of turn it up a little bit to give like a welcome. Yeah, you yeah. Know? You can, but I always feel like the the best part of a conversation or the best part of of things happens like in in the middle. Yeah, you know, when you kind of get warmed up. Louis C.K. had a good. Uh, bit about this in one of his stand-up specials where he's like there's no good way to open a comedy show you know you're all ju- you're all you don't know each other you're just sitting next to each other facing in one direction i'm talking you know and i i kind of relate to that because there's no good way to like open well I, it depends if you're looking for the whole thing or just a little bit like in porn you skip to the good parts you don't watch the opening where they're trying to act so no trying to I mean, act <laughs> i haven't done that ever <laughs> I haven't done that since I was, was since I didn't have fast forward on like uh, the scrambled spice network. Right. <laughs> and we had to like to ride it out. Stay up late at a at a sleepover, <laughs> and like watch like to get like a scrambled titty yeah, on the yeah, screen. Yeah, wait till the scramble part like kind of slides up on the screen, and and then yeah. you get to see half a nibble. Yeah. Oh man, those are the days. New and new and novel, exciting exploring speaking of check how's my volume level yeah that's what i was just doing yeah okay. checking the checking the volumes but it's all good so i took the headphones off cool yeah your volume level is good okay so yeah you know if these these mics are, are are good and they're uh i forget what they're called like omnidirectional or something okay but i think like if you go here nothing if you go here nothing okay. you got to be like right here okay got which it. is good because then it doesn't pick up so much yeah outside noise like i'm eating an ice cream cone yeah, like you're eating an ice cream cone, yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, there's no six feet roll with this? With what? With the mic? Yeah, I mean, you're Where's fine. You're fine, right? 
<laughs> oh, where's it been? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, I, I, it's it's fresh. No okay. one, no one's used it in over okay. two months, probably. Okay. Yeah, Perfect. you're the first one to use it. Well, and it's a windscreen, so I could just yeah. get rid of the windscreen and use a different cool. one. Well, glad to uh, bring some comfort to this lonely mic. Yeah, no problem. It's it's a it's a nice day out here, man. Sitting in Cheeseman Park in Denver, sun is just beating down on me. Um, it's good to be outside. I haven't been outside in a couple of yeah, days. It's beautiful. It's good to see humans and uh, some interacting with each other and groups of a handful or less, it seems. Yeah, this feels healthy. Yeah. Right? Like, it doesn't feel like there's a global pandemic happening. And I know I'm not saying that there isn't one. I'm just saying that when you come outside and you see people hanging out and enjoying the outdoors and nature and being in the sun and smiling and having fun... It feels like that creates a that that intention to to be out here almost creates a healthier healthier environment. It's interesting you bring that up because I I was thinking of that the other day that it hasn't at all felt like it's been unhealthy or a pandemic other than you know maybe we're eating a little extra or not able to go to the gyms or whatnot but streets are closed to cars. Yeah, some my parts. my personal pandemic is I'm a fucking right. fat ass again. <laughs> But yeah, there's streets that are open to people walking and biking and rollerblading and instead of cars on the roads and like that seems healthy and people are out doing things and yeah, it doesn't feel like a pandemic even though it supposedly is. It's nice. It is nice. There's, there's, I mean, yeah, there's, uh, just like everything in life, so many sides to the coins, you know, or so many sides to the, to the story, like. No one says that. So many sides to the coin. There's, There's only, only two. two sides. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not an expression. Uh, I'm really bad at expressions. Remembering yeah. them the right way. Uh, I think what was a recent one I said. Uh, Bird in the hand is worth a, more than teaching a fish a, how to drink water. There you go. Or, there's a new horse in this town, or something like that. Yeah. There's a new horse in. There's a new horse in this town, folks. And he's got COVID. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's like. There is something nice about seeing people walking in the streets and less cars. Like I saw, I saw something that said that you could see the, uh, oh fuck, I forget the name of the mountains, but you could see the mountain range clearly for the first time in over 30 years. In, oh, that was the Himalayas. In, in the Himalayas in India. Yeah. in India, that you could see them clearly, and like in Los Angeles, like the smog has cleared things up, and you know, humpback whales are like swimming in Chicago River or something. You know, yeah. like I don't, I don't think that's true, but like all of like there's all this, uh, you know, we're 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 taking a pause. Like I saw a a, a meme that was like uh, angels in heaven looking down at Earth, and like, yeah, it's not working so good. Maybe they should unplug it and wait and plug it back in yeah 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 well i mean it's i think as soon as this happened i started noticing i mean now we're kind of full into spring but when this started we were just getting into spring and i noticed buds on the trees and i noticed my first flowers of the season and as everything was stopping on the human side everything else was waking up and i i think i think i've noticed a lot of it in myself too of when my external self kind of pauses my internal self kind of cranks up a little bit and it's been a really just interesting journey so far yeah yeah i guess i should also introduce you to my friend bill burns here uh founder of good cinema got you got the virtual connection fest coming up soon that's exciting 
Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, it's cool being part of an intro. Usually it's you kind of waxing poetic or throwing shit against the wall and see what sticks for a few minutes before uh, <laughs> you play the, uh, uh, I guess, unpaid copy of, uh, of Supermassive Black Hole. Uh, <laughs> Muse, the uprising. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm super stoked to be uh, on, a, I think, the first ever Mycadelic Park cast uh, out here in Cheeseman Park in Denver on a beautiful 60 degree sunny day. Uh, and later this week, we've got uh, our first ever online film festival, maybe one of the first ever uh, in the world, I guess, in this new digital existence. And uh, we're starting off Wednesday, which is Earth Day. Speaking of this planet continuing to do its thing, uh, we're gonna watch a film called Metamorphosis about our evolving planet, um, the kind of, uh, metaphor of a uh, butterfly starting as a caterpillar going into the chrysalis which I feel we're all in right now uh, and uh, how are we gonna emerge uh, Friday night uh, we've got a film called Finding Joe uh, about the hero's journey and Joseph Campbell's work and and how that plays out in each of our lives uh, one of my favorites yeah and then uh, Sunday uh, the uh, finale will be Journeys to the Edge of Consciousness. That's going to be a matinee, and we're going to be joined by the filmmaker and uh, the lovely Dr. Gabor Mate and uh, Maria Papaspiru, uh, also from the film. Um, and all three of these events are meant to be interactive. We're going to have live music before them. We're going to have uh, mindful movement to help us uh, not only just get up and move a little bit and get out of those screens for a bit, but also to help us process the feelings and emotions that come up uh, somatically. Um, and then we're going to have uh, discussions with the filmmakers uh, after each of these films. Uh, for Metamorphosis and Finding Joe, we're also going to have some special uh, small breakout groups where we're going to use uh, some, facil some facilitators to uh, really help us dive uh, deeper in connection with each other. Uh, so, yeah, grateful to be able to uh, host something like this and have people from all over the world be able to join us. Yeah, awesome. I mean, that's the thing that I love about what you do is that you get people together to watch a documentary like we would watch a documentary and then chat after it. Like I remember me, you and Kendall watched some of the um, Power of Myth on Netflix and then had like a two hour rap session afterwards, like unpacking it and talking about the, you know, the things that came to our mind, how we were feeling and stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's just such a cool, a cool thing to do. I mean, always a cool thing to do. And then especially right now too, you know, just, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I think films are so great in helping us see perspectives uh, to understand life through other people's eyes. And uh, especially now that we're in this new world and we're trying to figure it out ourselves, even though the, all these films were made before the time we're in now, uh, I think by helping us to see new perspectives in film, it helps us to kind of look at this current situation in a new way. And I think... Uh, the the initial way was kind of uh, disbelief or denial. Uh, then we got into fear and panic. Uh, and I think now we're, we've kind of matured with it a little bit. And uh, and it's it's time to kind of create new perspectives at this point, because I think it's we're at the point where it's time to transition into a new way of being. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, we're always transitioning into new ways of being, you know, as human beings, you know, we're always going through cycles of death and rebirth. And, you know, we, we find ourselves in a pretty critical period of time because this is the first time in our known history that it's not just the tribe, the community, the state, the nation that's going through this. It's the world collectively. You know, we are interconnected digitally for the first time ever. And, you know, uh, Robert, I think it's Robert Wright, uh, Surviving Progress, who um, 
who mentioned that uh you know if you look at like the rise and fall because like history is always told in, in empires right like mm-hmm. the lives of millions and billions of people are told in the stories in the containers of empires rises and falls and he's like every empire that rose and fell you know, it, it, it was devastating, but it was devastating on a smaller scale because it was contained to a smaller geographic area. Now it's the whole world. So it's like, wake up fucking time. Like this is the real deal, like metamorphosis, like the massive, super massive collective butterfly. Yeah, and it's, it's so interesting to me because so many other disasters, everyone that I've kind of been alive during has been a disaster of the natural kind that affects a certain geographical area and have ripple effects to, you know, usually affect the rest of the world, uh, typically in more economic ways. Uh, you know, and there's terrorist attacks and things like that that drastically affect one specific area, more so other country, or more so, you know, that country, and then um, trickling down to other areas. But with this really just affecting everyone as a whole, um, it's so interesting because every kind of personal challenge that I have, challenge that I have in relationships and with family, it's... Um, it's it's everywhere and it's it it really i think more than anything i've ever experienced it gives perspective to the situation of saying okay this might be a certain amount of bad or scary for us but imagine how bad it is for so many others i mean 90 plus percent of the world dealing through this is probably in a much 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 worse situation and uh yeah gratitude is is what pops up in my mind yeah definitely and i think you know, my hope is that you're right. It is a lot worse for other areas. Like I remember hearing about the Chile, like the Chilean government basically went into like full lockdown, like right, like the first day that there was like a notice of, of this way early on, you know? So is that smart or not? I'm like a really, a very harsh lockdown, you know? And, but Sweden hasn't really done anything. You know, and they've left it up to the people to kind of voluntarily self-quarantine and stuff. And they're, Sweden's doing, like, really well, you know. And, uh, but I think that uh, having, like, having the not, like, just being grateful, you know, in these other places where it could be worse, right? Where, or maybe they don't have protection and it's spreading more or something like that. Like, yeah. but being grateful to be where we are and then reflect on where we are and recognize kind of, like, our first world American privilege I think is really really important because then we can kind of step up and do something to actually make real change you know like we're privileged to have the opportunity to be grateful so that we can make change yeah yeah that's true I mean I've I've felt like that since starting good cinema that I that I have this obligation to uh to help drive change because um yeah because I I have privilege and and that's uh um it's it's something I think worth acknowledging because that's kind of the the first step in uh, in understanding I think what my kind of role and purpose uh, might be in this world and and uh, you know in this case it's it's the privilege to not needing to be fighting for survival at this point you know I, I have my basic needs met and uh, you know and, and a, you know thanks to our family situation you know a decent amount of runway if things get really bad and sure then things get scary for us too but while we're not having to deal with just the survival parts you know what can we do to help elevate the message and what can we do to to provide access for those uh, that that want to be a part of what we're doing and want to have a voice uh you know it's helping those people be seen and heard and supported yeah 
And I have to say, you know, it's a great time to be alive where we have things like 420. And yeah. yesterday was Bicycle Day. Yeah. You know, we celebrated Bicycle Day and we, we were both uh, telling stories at, at the MAPS Bicycle Night after party. And, and um, you know, the Bicycle Day for those, I'm sure everyone's familiar, but the, Al, Albert Hoffman, who invented LSD and took his first, the first documented LSD trip. But this is the kind of fun world and loving and awesome and cool world that I want everyone to have access to, too. You know, I, I think it was Daniel Pinchbeck that wrote in his book, How Soon Is Now, it might have been, uh, yeah, that the atomic bomb and LSD were invented around the same time. And since then, we've been on two different trajectories, one of like war, authoritarianism, dominance, control, fear, and the other, that the one that we love so much, love and fun and interesting gatherings and community and connection and healing. And, and that's what I love so much about Journeys to the Edge of Consciousness is that it took it seriously with all of the traumas and problems that we face and then it also painted this really cool fun picture too that was like digestible and it's like that's the kind of world that I want to live in one that like is is embarking on the journey of, of fun and love and, and just awesomeness. Yeah, well, and, and amidst this pandemic, I mean, lest we forget celebration. And, you know, it's people aren't able to celebrate their uh, their graduations this year. And uh, But, I mean, what, what ways can we find for celebration? You know, 420 here in Denver is usually a huge thing where there's tons of concerts and a big festival uh, downtown and, and none of that's happening. Uh, you know, our... You know, is it our obligation then to uh, to smoke up while we have this chance together and, and just to celebrate and and uh, just to do it in a little different way and look at this as a cool and fun opportunity to do something that we normally wouldn't do. Uh, I think I think this is a, a you know if we can, I think that's where love comes in. Love really helps open up creative pathways and helps helps kind of push the fear away for a minute and really enjoy the good in things. And I think that's when the creativity starts opening up into you know how is this this quiet time, this distant time, uh, an opportunity to find new ways of celebration. Uh, and I've, you know, we've already seen kind of many, many ways of, at least I have, of connecting with those that I haven't been doing as much connecting with. And, uh, we've been finding fun, creative ways to, uh, play games. And, uh, we've had like this really fun trivia game on Saturday night with a bunch of friends and I've done family game nights and, uh, it's, uh, uh, I mean, we're still living, and, and as uh, I think it was Dave Chappelle said, life's a celebration, bitches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's nice to see, too, the resilience in people with this crisis happening as well, you know? And I, I'm, I'm someone that definitely dives into the dark and gets into the conspiracies and the what is going on, what are, what are the power structures trying to do, and what are they going to implement, and they're going to control us all, and we're all going to be slaves, and we're going to live in this microchipped crazy universe. And while there, there might be truth to that, it's like I'm, I, I have to be careful with that because I don't want to get sucked down into that toxic paradigm, you know? So... I have to sort of try and muster up and this courage and, and this love to, to bring it forth, to create something, you know, if you don't like the old model, create something new that makes the old model obsolete and unappealing, you know, um, and, and it reminds me of this quote that I want to share with, uh, by Terrence McKenna, uh, who says, you know, we, 
we are nature, you know, like we're not separate from nature. We are nature. And he, he says, nature loves courage. You make the commitment and nature will respond to that commitment by removing impossible obstacles. Dream the impossible dream and the world will not grind you under. It will lift you up. This is the trick. This is when all these teachers and philosophers who really counted, who really touched the alchemical gold, this is when they understood. This is the shamanic dance in the waterfall. This is how magic is done by hurling yourself into the abyss and discovering it's a feather bed. And that reminds me of what you said about the butterfly. Like we're in this point where we need to emerge, have courage to emerge. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that, that brings up something uh, that I was uh, thinking about over the weekend after it was brought up in conversation uh, through the, uh, through the archipelago WhatsApp. And, uh, it was about the, uh, the military flyover of planes. And, uh, someone had brought up in there that, um, they weren't sure how they felt about it because, uh, it seems that the resources that are put towards, uh, flying these, you know, multi-million dollar jets, uh, all across the front range, uh, to kind of show support during this time could be spent on extra healthcare equipment and, you know, actually kind of fighting, uh, the pandemic itself, if you will. Uh, and that, that kind of got me thinking about kind of our, you know, is this military posturing? Is this, you know, some special thing? I think afterwards someone might have said it was, you know, also to kind of commemorate the graduation of the Air Force cadets, um, which I think is a great thing in itself. But, um, but just a bigger thought of, you know, when we, we have, you know, huge sporting events, we do the flyovers and we do these things and, and these military flyovers are part of it. And if... Uh, if that's been our way of doing things, you know, why? What, what does that prove? To me, at least, it shows this, this kind of posturing of, you know, we're strong, we're in this together, this kind of, it makes us feel this pride inside about our country. But why do we really need that? I think, if anything, this is showing us that we're deeper than just a country, but we should have pride as humans and in supporting each other and just coming from straight love. And so, anyway, that, that got me thinking in bigger ways of what are ways of instead of posturing and taking this position of power and tribalism in that way, how can we associate with each other and, and build up ways of kind of pulling people together as one tribe uh, that involve love instead? Yeah, I think, I think we're doing it. You know, I think everybody who's like listening to the show and who's in like people that we're friends with and other people that are doing creative things, we're, we're doing it. And it's just like on more of a decentralized kind of scale. It's not, a, it's not what you see in the, in the, the mass, the, uh, you know, the dominant kind of narrative. And that dominant narrative is one of this nation is a sports team and the flyovers are the cheerleaders, the pump up the jams, the get the mascot out there, rally the, the people. Let's, you know, cause it's really important to have from a psychological perspective as like a nation to like indoctrinate the people to believe that they're we're all on this one team and that we have this one common belief and this one common goal we're all in this together you know if you've seen any of those ridiculous like celebrity things like you know in their homes like in their mansions with their pools and their servants and they're like we're all in this together you know it's like no we're not you're in gated communities with security guards and like you know come on we're not like yeah just relax and just you know whatever it's like that's not that's not what we need right now, you know, but it, this is the, the current ideology. This is the current story that we've been following is this kind of, um, and dare I say, like patriarchal, egoic kind of manifestation of material 
things that that show like a rally for support you know yeah well th- thank you for saying that when you said paternalistic that brought up some big thing in my mind and it was that uh you know we need w- more women leadership uh across the board and what i was thinking was this kind of period that we're in if we look at like what is the what's this kind of historic female role that we have humans have put our women in and it's this role of like the the homemaker the caretaker uh you know the one that stays home and it's like we've all been put in that role now and uh you know now families are you know a lot more men are cooking i mean i'm the one that does the cooking in our house but uh, my wife does more cooking (laughs) flip that there but uh you know it, it seems that everyone's kind of taking on these kind of more home roles together and uh i don't know i just it's the first time I've thought of that, but I wonder if that's going to cause more uh, more empathy for women from men, or allow more kind of uh, handover of, of leadership. Yeah, um, men have kind of tricked women into accepting their their role throughout civilization, you know, as as having certain places for things, and the way that they do it is you know, definitely through manipulation, but also through force and institutions and policies and laws. And then we've all been kind of tricked into a slumber to to be in, in a little bit of fear, to be told our roles and what we are to do and to be. And uh, yeah, it, the world would be such a better place if everyone was, every individual was empowered to be their true, connected, authentic self. And yeah, when women are their true, empowered, authentic, connected self, I find nothing sexier than a strong, independent, empowered woman who it's such a a different kind of leadership and a different kind of grace and a different kind of energy that is provided by, by us. But we both need each other to rise to the occasion to be that true self. I had this, this, um, wonderful uh guest on the podcast recently hallie rose and we talked about that you know and how you know it's not the argument isn't women we don't want women to be like men you know we want them to be equal we want everyone to be equal but we want them to be fully empowered in their true feminine spirit and for men to be truly empowered in their true masculine spirit yeah and uh I think it's uh, I think it's deeper too. I mean, there's you know. Oh yeah, baby, to, get deeper <laughs> to the beginning of what you were talking about. Uh, it's you know, Brene Brown talks about this a lot. This power with versus power over, and instead of looking at each other as the problem, solving problems together, and you know, yeah, embracing our masculine and feminine. But I think it goes uh, it, the part that goes deeper is that we're all a blend of masculine and feminine. And right. And I I'm what I'm hoping comes out of this is that the men embrace more of the feminine and say, you know, yeah, I I have these feminine parts to me, even if they're not labeling them as such. You know, there's no sports to watch on TV, but there is a lot of dinner to be cooked now since there's nowhere to go out to restaurants and uh, and bars. And so, you know, there's there's family time now and it's being with the kids and maybe that was what mom used to do more of. And uh, I I hope what we get out of this is more, I guess, just appreciation for each other and each other's roles and uh, appreciation for oneself as being more than just uh, macho posturing if it's from a man and, and saying that, yeah, I can, I can do these things too. And I embrace them and I want to help with these things. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And wouldn't, wouldn't that be so nice if that was injected into our like cultural hierarchy, into our societal hierarchy? Like we, we definitely, there's massive imbalance, you know, our leaders are not healthy, feminine and and masculine roles. The, they don't represent the, the, those blends. It's something that I think about quite a bit. It's like we, l- we live in this world where we look at like politics in this like vacuum as if it's just this one singular thing. 
and then it's like okay spirituality is over here and like this is like the the burning man spiritual community and this is the psychedelic community it's like I really would love to have like a full vision of the world where all of those things come through as like a truly unified, like integrated self that could represent positions of leadership, right? Like imagine, imagine if our government had a diverse range of leadership, look at all the, the people that are in charge in Congress and stuff. Most of them are lawyers, you know, most of them are just lawyers. What about like what about like school teachers and artists and poets and musicians and you know you would think well what do they know about like policy it's like a new policy will be created my friend yeah I mean I hear that and then and I you know myself I've wanted to run for office and I think I may one day but damn I don't want to wear a suit and go in these stuffy ass buildings like no that's what I mean we'll change it yeah but but it's like you got to play the game you got to play the rules of the game to change the rules of the game and so or maybe just invent a new game yeah but first you have to play by the rules that exist and I, I think that's the part that so many people feel disenfranchised by because there typically is a financial requirement I think that's the point is yeah. to make people feel disengaged right. and disempowered yeah and so yeah I guess what can we do as communities to lift people up to say you are a leader in our community you're a leader among our tribe and our group of people what can we do to elevate you into the political realm so that we can really make changes at a systemic level instead of just bitching about them totally yeah i mean i think that that's definitely what's happening right now is in the virtual space there's a lot of people that are reaching out and connecting with each other and bringing people together and like i just love to see like how that how that ripples out like the longer that this crisis goes on like how can we come together to create better solutions yeah. that work for everyone i mean could this catalyze a groundswell of support for people that aren't uh 70 plus year old white men right uh, oh my god yeah <laughs> i yeah. mean let's just start there i mean i mean that like and i've said this multi, like ad nauseum but like the the fact that the machine pushes us all into a corner and says these are your two options deal with it is absurd that's an absurd system it's not representative of this country that we have of diverse people backgrounds cultures ethnicities like to be forced into a position to choose between the you know demented 77 year old you know lunatic and an orange spray tanned monster is absurd yeah it's like eat your peas or carrots like i want brussels sprouts man right i want i want cabbage i want kale <laughs> yeah how boring would it be going into an ice cream shop every ice cream shop only has chocolate or vanilla yeah you're like what what about cookie dough man what about salted caramel what about pistachio right right give me some stash yeah or like <laughs> some uh i don't know smoked Porter bourbon ice cream. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's like... Get creative. Yeah, yeah. These craft ice cream shops now are coming up with flavors one would have never dreamed of putting in ice cream, but they are now. And uh, maybe that's what everything could be like. All we have to do is just reimagine. And unfortunately, I think the upward mobility of ice cream is uh, has a lot less barriers than in politics. But, <laughs> but again, we can change that. I, again, this, I think, can be a catalyst for... Uh, a big, bigger movements. Yeah. Yeah. Ice cream, <laughs> ice cream politics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why I like psychedelics so much. And like the, you know, the conscious kind of more spiritual type of, of people, uh, is because they tend to be a little bit more open and a little bit more creative, 
you know, and, and when you're open and you're creative, you can listen, you can learn, you can try things, you could fail, you know, the fear dissipates a little because you feel like you're held in a community of people both that everybody is seeking the same thing, you know, like archipelago, great community here in Denver that we're both a part of. Like I feel that everyone's like supportive and wants to kind of hold each other on our journeys to find that one thing that we're all looking for, you know, which is like a sense of belonging and connection and peace and joy and happiness and love. And, and, you know, a lot of people, you said like the imagination, a lot of people's imaginations have been like beaten out of them and they just need to find it again. Yeah. And I, I think we started this podcast off with the theme of fear and love and, and so much of that keeps coming up as, you know, what is a, what's a, what's the reason we keep ending up with 70 year old white men? And, uh, and, uh, the fear is 100% it it's, it's, that's what we Fucking know. Whitey. That's, that's what we've had. That's Kill what we know. Whitey. And, and there's <laughs> so many people in power and privilege that don't want to lose it. And, uh, and you know, fear of the, you know, well, my vote doesn't matter. If I vote for this other person, that means this other bad person is going to be in. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's mm-hmm. the, we're playing not to lose. We're not playing to win. Right. And I don't mean win as in dominate. I mean, win as in living the best lives we can as people. And, and that's where love comes in. Yeah. That's what, uh, Chelsea said yesterday, which I thought was so great was, you know, about managing that Facebook page where there's all these like hateful comments and all this stuff. And she's like, you know, we just have to, we're all like racing around to pull all the weeds out and we forget got to, to plant all these things that would be better, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, for every, uh, for every criticism of our president, maybe we, I mean, sure he should be criticized, but maybe we can also add how is one way that could be improved or how even better, how is one way that I see myself improving? How can I be the change that I would like out of my president. Yeah. I mean, I think this all boils down to this, again, this like parental paternal role thing where we're, we've all been so beaten down and conditioned to acquiesce to the larger power system to save us. There's like this savior complex, you know, you see it in religion, you know, we will be redeemed one day, you know, the savior will come back. If I'm a good little boy or girl, I'll go to heaven. You know, if I believe in the right things, then I'll get what I want or whatever. I'll be okay. I'll be safe. I'll be protected. Same thing with politics, you know, it's like, oh, I I hope that, you know, that they'll, if I vote for the right people, they'll do the right things. And it's like, how many times has that fucking not happened? You know, it's like, we have to, we have to start looking inward in my opinion to save ourselves, save ourselves from this kind of dependency model and start doing things that feel right and authentic. Uh, and really, I mean, it just, it's, uh, yeah, like the butterfly, I think is coming back to me again. My past podcast guest, Ramin Nazer on this show, who has an amazing Instagram account where he draws this wonderful art, had a butterfly, a caterpillar emerging into a butterfly. And the caterpillar was like, this sucks. And then when he was in the chrysalis, it was like, holy shit, this is fucking terrifying. And then he emerges as a butterfly and he's like, this is awesome. You know, and it's like, we're in that like terrifying place. Yeah. And it, and it keeps getting more and more scary. And, you know, we look at history and we've certainly come a long way from many worse atrocities. I think, uh, it always feels like at least as of late that we're kind of on the precipice of more, but at a deeper level, I truly believe we're evolving, uh, into a state of setting ourselves up for, for what we, I guess, I guess deserve. And I, I, as I said that, I almost hesitated because I I think that means good and bad. (laughs) Yeah. I think it means good and bad. I think it means like, you know, it's just like, I 
practice with psychedelics and do work on myself and I always feel that I'm ready for another like big healing journey when I get to a point where I'm starting to forget a little bit yeah and I'm starting to feel some fear and that's when I know like okay I have a choice now and that choice is to avoid taking a heroic dose and going into the to the darkness and and seeing what's there and continuing on this pattern kind of like ignoring and pushing it under the rug and you know whatever or to like muster up the strength and the courage to go all right I'm fucking going in and whatever I'm going to experience it's inescapable and unavoidable and surrendering to that yeah yeah surrender I mean that's that's so much of what I've been focusing on as well uh and uh yeah that surrender and that fear you know fear I feel is this thing that that boils up and when we when we look externally at at what's out there and and we feel this deep uncertainty uh fear creeps in and then we look within ourselves and we feel that we've lost identity and fear creeps in and so if we can't trust what's outside of us and it's hard for us to identify with what's inside of us uh you know those both both of those things are connected and anchored to fear i think the way to to set us free is to um to listen to our hearts i mean it it sounds like a a cliche but it it truly is i mean that's the only thing that we know and that we really can trust regardless of what's happening externally it detaches the ego it detaches this dependence and reliance on external things and and just looks deep within to say what have i always wanted what have i dreamed of yeah and i think this is the moment in this crisis where a lot of people are being forced into that position uh, my friend Sophia Rocklin, who's also on the show, author of When Plants Dream, wrote a great article about the shamanic view of isolation and, you know, the kind of transformation that can occur when you're forced into a sort of isolated space. And there's only so much, like, avoidance and distractions that you could do. Many people's distractions are going to the bar and drinking a lot of alcohol and, you know, maybe having sex with a ton of other people and, you know, things like that. And there's virtual distractions too, but I feel like there's only so much that you can run from yourself in isolation. And at some point you have to kind of own up to the feelings in your heart and like take a look at them. I would hope, I would hope, you know, for a lot of people, because I feel like that is, that's the only true savior. You know, you can only really save yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so true. Uh, yeah, I, I lost my thought, but I thought of just something. Just when uh, when we first met up and we're walking here to the park, uh, this drunk dude was following us, oh, drinking man. a huge can of Four loco. Uh, and as you were talking about distractions and alcohol and and uh, and walking away from our problems, I was just thinking of that and how he was a problem we were walking away from. Uh, anyway, I digress. Yeah, no, I mean, but you're right. Like it's like walking away from our problems, like. You know, when we're when we're younger, if we have good parents and good people in our community, they they, you know, teachers and whatnot, they they tell us to like clean up after ourselves. You know, don't don't hit other kids, don't invade their personal space, don't be mean, don't call names. You know, and somewhere along the way, rising into adulthood, it becomes it's a cutthroat world. It's dog eat dog. You got to do what it takes. You know, compete, compete, produce, produce, consume, and it's like. What happened to like cleaning up after our mess and being kind and being nice? Like these are the values that obviously we feel are important that we try and teach the children. Yeah, you know? values. I, I'm glad you came to that. Uh, and one one thought on what you just said, uh, it's it's follow your dreams 
until uh until you need to make a paycheck and then it's then it's do what's going to make you money and um they're both important so yeah just rethinking the paradigms how can we shift these paradigms of you know following your dreams but making sure they fit into this world and and i think now when the economy's shut down in so many ways and tons and tons of people are affected uh, i think what it's exposing is uh we we aren't set up in the way we need to be we don't have protections in place to really ensure that our our humans on this earth uh, have their basic needs met and that's been the case for billions on a daily basis uh that we've just been able to ignore because they're poor but now that it's happening to so many across the world uh many 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 middle class people and and people that have a heck of a lot more um are feeling it way harder than they ever have in a lot of ways and um and i think that brings us back to values and and what do we value yeah uh, whether it's family, spending more time with them and realizing kind of how precious that is. Uh, I've heard so many people, I've luckily haven't had a long commute in a long time, but people that have had hour, two hour commutes now are saying, I'm working just as much, if not more, and I'm spending way more time with my family and it's quality time and we're doing things together that we've never done before. Uh, and when it comes to money, you know, really looking at that, it's it less as less of this kind of competition and making more just to make more. But how can money become an energy that supports what we want to do in life, um, how we want to give back, um, how we want to live? And when it comes to work-life balance, how can it just become a balance of life and work being something that contributes to the world is a, is a channel of your passion and your purpose that also compensates you fairly uh, for what you're putting out into the world and, and helping to create more pathways for people to do this and follow their passions so that we're not living uh, these unhappy yeah, these unhappy lives. Yeah, yeah. It really, it really sheds light on like, you know, because of you know, people look at this and say, oh, you know, this is such a massive failure on the part of government and leadership and stuff like that. And it's like, is it, is it really, or is it just a real big, bright neon sign that's flashing and saying they don't care about you, they don't care about us. It really shines. The values of the system really come forward in these kinds of times, because, you know. We all and and it's and it, it for me it is like and for a lot of people is like bringing into well what really matters in life how do I really want to be spending my life why am I here and what is the point of all this right is the point of this to run on this treadmill and be marching to the TikTok of the master of the clock so I can make this paper so I can buy these things so I can have a you know all this stuff it's like it doesn't have to be that way. It's just that way because this has been the sort of value system that has been in place that, you know, we've been like sort of tricked to be to going along with or that we've gone along with and just kind of forgotten that there's other ways of being. Yeah. And in that world, we have to play that game. And and right. That, we're that, forced to. Yeah. yeah. That, that game's been kind of shut down, though, in some ways, while it's still being played in other ways, uh, which is forcing some bad things to happen for a lot of people, unfortunately. Uh, but at some point, the game's just got to break. At at some point, it's it's not going to work anymore if this continues longer. And uh, as really terrible as that is, uh, it it has to present a new opportunity uh, for for something that does serve everyone. And and like what you're saying, you know, the whole they don't care about us. Uh, you know, it's 
it's wild. I, I don't even know why this surprised me, but it did when I saw that you know many of the SBA loans went to not small businesses and big companies and and ones that uh, didn't really need the assistance, like many small businesses that you know help make communities what they are and and provide uh, culture and gathering places and community and these things that are so vital uh, to a place being worth living in. I think. Uh, yeah. You know, Shake Shack just gave $10 million back because they said they didn't need it. And uh, I think that's admirable. And, and I hope for more of that type of leadership from uh, from companies helping each other out. Because uh, mm-hmm. that's how I think we're going to emerge from this as butterflies. Yeah, definitely. I, I love this point that Charles Eisenstein made, too, in his essay, The Coronation. He uh, talks about how you know, the the dominant power structure, like, has shut everything down except for essential businesses. But, like, his wife is a um, acupuncturist, I think. And, you know, there's, like, masseuses and holistic healers and, you know, people of that ilk. And they're deemed non-essential, you know, because there's this one sort of medical model, this one sort of dominant paradigm of what we consider to be essential and and have value or legitimate. Right. And it's like that, you know, I imagine like, like what that, 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 that's, that's a tremendous like power to give away to someone to say like, you deem what's appropriate and necessary rather than us feeling what's appropriate. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. I read that too. And that part really stuck out to me. Uh, my chiropractor is still open now, uh, because he's saying that he wants to stay open to, uh, help people that have kind of had injuries and are dealing with things to, to come to him instead of having to go to the hospital to not overwhelm them. Uh, and that, you know, healthcare system for those that are most needing it, uh, which I love. And if we look at this kind of as a bigger issue of our whole healthcare system, uh, having issues at this point, it's, you know, these, what are still called, you know, alternative or holistic forms of healing, uh, I, I think for so many people are so, so helpful for both physical, mental, spiritual, uh, all kinds of ailments and just for general wellness. And on a day like 420, where something like cannabis, which in my wildest dreams 10 years ago, could never have thought that now would be considered an essential business, uh, is, I think that shows us that what we consider essential, uh, is relative and subjective and, that maybe that should be reevaluated when we look at how are we going to redo our healthcare system or how can we make this more affordable? Well, it begins with looking at what's, what's essential for people to be well. It's not Doritos and you can buy those very easily, but maybe things like sometimes a little bit of Doritos, (laughs) maybe things like acupuncture, uh, and uh, you know, when you haven't eaten for like two days at a festival and someone's like right. gonna get a sandwich and some Doritos and like slurp oh, down. Oh, you put Doritos the... in the sandwich oh, at the festival. It's beautiful. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, what's what's essential, I think, is what helps us thrive. And, and in a time like this, yeah, maybe we need to go internal a little bit. But uh, I, I think what's essential is is subjective to us. And, and maybe instead of everything being so government imposed, maybe there should be some, a gray area and room for interpretation. Yeah. Voluntarism. I don't know. Voluntary. Every, every act that people take in their lives is a voluntary act other than government mandated rules and regular. Like if murder was legal, like would you kill someone? Like I wouldn't, 
you know, because it's just wrong. Like it's morally wrong, you know. Um, but I always like to think of it as like, like I love music festivals so much, and I know you do too. And the, the first music festival, the first big music festival that I ever went to was Coachella, and I remember when I went there thinking, everybody's here to do the same thing. Everybody's down with the same thing. Everybody's here voluntarily. No one's being forced to go to go Coachella at gunpoint. You know, like everybody respects and obeys like the the etiquette of the festival and the scene. And my my thought from that like transformational experience for me was, why can't we create the world this way? Why can't we create communities and societies this way? Like life as a festival like a representative of that ethos and that those morals and those values and the the predominant one is like for fun and enjoyment and love and yeah well i i my hypothesis is that at a music festival everyone's on the same team right and in this world we've created there's this these structures of power and division and dominance and uh, posturing and, and just all these forms of power over that uh, that don't allow for really the collective and they really try to shut the collective down and, and try to keep their voice elevated as the highest and and uh, you know with these monopolies and conglomerates and and you know th- there's not uh, the diversity of voices like there could be and again I think a bright spot in in what this pandemic has brought about is more opportunity for uh, diverse voices to speak up and speak out and uh, but yeah man I, I totally agree music festivals are just wonderful they feel so free and like it's this co-creation and we're all in this shared energy together and it's all about just love and fun uh, and you know maybe it is some disconnection as well uh, but I believe at the heart of it it's about using that time and space to connect with yourself and others and many music festivals have been a meditative experience for me in a lot of ways um, and fulfilling in my connection with myself and higher being and others Uh, and yeah if we just sprinkle in a little bit of that into our normal life interactions which shit I mean I've I've felt it as of late just in the way we talk with neighbors now it just seems like there's more compassion uh, and I think that's a start yeah definitely I mean it, you know Rebecca Solnit writes about this in A Paradise Built in Hell where she talks about you know in times of great crisis and disaster that you actually see people coming together and helping each other and supporting each other rather than the opposite myth of everything would be chaos and I witnessed it firsthand both being in New York for 9-11 but I was young then and also when I was older with Hurricane Sandy that hit New York the next day everybody was going up to each other and checking on each other are you okay like do you need anything like so much compassion empathy and love and connectedness was able to birth out of that because when crisis hits all of these thinly strung together illusions of what we conceive the world of or we participate in the world to be that we're like making dissolve and bring us back into what really matters what really counts what we really deeply feel and want in our hearts you know what everybody deeply wants and feels in their hearts everybody wants love everybody wants connection everybody wants community everyone really really wants that really deep down and when that moment of crisis comes it like it's a clearing away of all the bullshit and it's like oh yeah like that's that's what's really real you know yeah uh on the other hand, one might say, uh, never let a good tragedy go to waste. Yeah, Rahm Emanuel said that, among many others. Right. And so so I wonder, 
how can how can we that want to use this as a way to really better the world through compassion, love, fun, freedom, etc., uh, you not let this go to waste and and really use this as an opportunity to grow uh, in the direction that that serves us. Yeah, I think it's just about everybody that feels like called to create something to create and to connect and to reach out. You know, people listening to this show, if you feel inspired by like what Bill's doing or what I'm doing or whatever, you just like enjoy this conversation, like feel free to email us, like message us, you know, and, and like, I always, I always want to promote, <laughs> I feel weird sitting down while you're standing. I always want to promote like that kind of stuff because, you know, recently I started doing these things called Isolation Tank, uh, which is like this live streaming show with a bunch of other creators. And I had the idea because I was just like, I want to, br- I want to bring people together and I want to like do, you know, do something that, that we can all be like held and supported, you know, and in our individual like creativity and stuff and I think that that's like I think that's the way I think the way is organizing supporting and tapping into like what you want to create and it reminds me of uh this um this thing I heard uh Daniele Bellelli and Chris Ryan talking about about like the value you know Chris Ryan who I mean wrote Civilized to Death which is like such a poignant book right now uh you know we were talking about the value of like spending like creating things with other people like having the, f- the freedom to have time rather than like sitting in your home and just like ordering a coffee table on amazon but to like get together with people and be like hey i'm gonna like make a coffee table do my friends want to help me and it becomes this like group endeavor and this project and and that's a bonding experience and then like the table has a memory to it and it's worth more and it's like m- more valuable because it means something to you and it represents something yeah, well, and then that brings up, I guess, something bigger. It's that this thought of what is it that we want that we don't have in the world? And instead of saying, well, that sucks, we don't have it, uh, or, well, I'll, I'll wait for this to, to be made, why can't we create it ourselves? And you brought up Archipelago earlier, and that's that's what kind of came to my mind. It was a group of people that said, we want an intentional community meant for personal growth and and. Uh, and so they created it and, and now it exists and it's growing and it's becoming just this super enriched uh, community. And, and I felt the same way with Good Cinema. I, I wanted something that existed for people to come together and talk about uh, things that mattered and watch badass films uh, that were inspirational and helped us kind of look at uh, look at ourselves in the mirror every now and then and, uh, and gain new perspectives from others and, uh, and do that as a community and grow and explore the world together through film. Uh, and you've done it with your podcast and then what are ways that we can kind of support others in, in doing this? Uh, because I, the barrier still comes up in my mind and that's time, right? And that's why I have these other obligations or maybe in some cases it's, it's just energy and motivation because they're so kind of torn down by the stress, uh, of other, of other obligations and jobs, et cetera. You know, fear of of like, I mean, a lot of that, we, we probably both still experience that too. It's like this fear of like putting something, putting a part of yourself out there, you know, and, and having people like, I always think of the movie back to the future with Marty McFly. Great like movie, by the way, it's like really deep and, and it's in its meanings and metaphors and like the, the, his when he goes back in time like his dad like in the you've seen back to the future right yeah 
Yeah, like Marty Marty McFly's dad, George McFly. He's like this dweeb who gets pushed around, you know, never really like followed his uh, his dreams, like played it, you know, was too afraid to like make anything happen. And he has this kind of like shit life and, you know, the wife, their relationship's not good. And Marty McFly goes back in time and he's like, he tells his dad, you know, like if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. And he inspires him to to create. And that transformation occurs when he goes back. And it's like, you know, that is the thing really is that overcoming that fear of being judged or having failure. And that's why I think we both like these spaces like Archipelago, because they say, you're welcome, come in, you know, and put something forward and we're not going to like lambast you and ridicule you and make fun of you. You know, same thing with down at the temple at the ayahuasca center. It's like people are encouraged to like really get it out, purge it out, put it out on the table. Well, there's support and, and that support comes in the form of being seen and heard for who you are and, uh, and acknowledged and not, uh, not dismissed or shut down or put down or, or any of those things. And, and, um, it's, it's other people that may have different dreams themselves, but for the most part, at the end of the day, want to really want to help raise up others around them. Uh, and it's, it's kind of this, this kind of value of service. You know, we're in service of others uh, by being in their presence, by acknowledging them, by seeing them for who they are. Uh, and I think that's, that's, I think, another really kind of good takeaway from all this is... Uh, you know, we're all saying, you know, well, how can, how can we help? How can we support you? You know, those that are in need, uh, I think it's starting to see people for who they are as we strip away these, this economic world as it just kind of shrivels at this point. Um, how can, how can, as we pull that away, start to see people for who they really are, what really, uh, what pain they have, what love they have, um, you know, good, bad, you know, see them for that beautiful being they are. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's not an easy process either, too, because we're all dealing with our own shit as well. And then, you you know, so it's like, but that's the thing, I think. That's the trick is, like, knowing that you're never really fully there. When you think you're there, you're not there. And what I mean by there is, like, being like, oh, I'm completely, like, I have no issues. Like, I'm just totally accepting and caring and giving. And it's like, well, we're all human beings, you know. We all feel a sense of, like little bit of like competitiveness or jealousy or resentment or fear or anxiety or like I want to do that thing or I you know I want to be this thing and uh, I want to create this thing and um, you know but the for the process for me is just recognizing that you know I think like for a lot of people maybe shame themselves of like oh I shouldn't be like that I should just be all is one and everything is light and everything's beautiful. And it's like, yeah, that's a good thing to aspire to, but you have to remind yourself of that by acknowledging that we're all human and we feel these things, allowing that space to come up so that we can, you know, do our best to aspire to the things that we want to do and also allow room for other people and allow that support. Does that make sense? I had, I had like an idea of something that I wanted to say as you were talking and I kind of feel like I lost it a little bit, but something to that extent in terms of like, um, you know, really trying to like discover the best balance of, uh, of being like uh, an individual who's like putting forth their best and also allowing room for others to do the same. Yeah. And I, I love that you brought up doing your best, uh, as, uh, 
as I think that was the uh, fourth agreement in uh, in the four agreements. Mm, yeah. Uh, I, I find that so important right now because... You know, I've never read the four agreements, by the way, because I got the fifth agreement. Okay. And people were like, oh, just get that one. But I think the four... I think I got to go read the four agreements. Yeah. yeah. The fifth is nothing without the first four. Yeah. I mean, the first one is they, you know, they, be impeccable with your word. I mean, as a podcaster, that's, uh, that's <laughs> all, everything one. that you've heard so far has yeah. been a lie. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to let everyone know. Right. Um, I'm only here to profit off right. you people. <laughs> so um, anyway, the do your best. Uh, I was thinking about that the other day. Like, this is a great opportunity to do my best and to do all these things I've always wanted to do and be the best at them. And it's like, it's also really hard at this time to kind of motivate and do a lot of things because there's just this heavy weight, it feels like. And I I think that should be acknowledged too. And so many of us are going through things and I, I felt that I've just been putting so much pressure on myself to be the best and do the best at this time that I haven't had the grace with myself. And so, you know, and the book talks about this too, but the always doing your best is in the moment. It's, it's, you know, whether you have high energy or low energy, or if you feel terrible, it's, you know, even if your best that day is just making yourself breakfast, you know, whatever your best is, um, it's having grace with yourself and that forgiveness and that self love. Um, yeah, I just, yeah. Talk to me out. a little bit about that. Cause I know you're a person that really does a lot of like personal, deep personal work on, on yourself. And, you know, so for me, a lot, like a lot of the times, as like a creator, you know, I, I get that kind of feeling sometimes of like putting something out and like having a little worry or being like, oh, it's not good enough or, you know, like, oh, I don't know if I want to like maybe reach out to this person or try this thing or do this thing out of maybe fear or judgment. So, you know, I, I, I have a, a process that I do where I try and kind of really come back to what the intention is, you know and like really focus on that. Is there anything that you do like particularly as being a, you know, entrepreneur creator? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's tough. Well, you just brought up kind of brought something up within me where, uh, I've kind of had this aversion to social media and, you know, excessive online time and, uh, have really initially, you know, was focusing on having good cinema be an outlet for people so they don't have to bring these conversations online and we can get together in person and talk. And, and now we're back being forced to that. And so I've been kind of dealing with that internally, as well as this kind of this need to be taking as much advantage of this time as possible, uh, that I, I feel I've been putting, uh, putting more pressure on myself than I need to. Uh, and, uh, we're sorry, like I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving around because I'm getting baked by the sun. Uh, are you wearing, are you I'm wearing sunscreen in the sun. I'm not. Yeah, neither uh, am I. I don't, so, I don't yeah, believe it's real cancer. Uh, so anyway, where I was going with that was, yeah, uh, sorry to cut you off. What I, uh, yeah, I guess I, I follow that too. The, the, what is my intention with this? Uh, sometimes I'll journal on it. Sometimes I just do what feels right and authentic in the moment. Uh, but I have been noticing a little more kind of second guessing, second guessing myself, questioning myself because I'm doing things I've never done before. Like, host an online festival right like that, am i worthy like yeah. who, who am i to you know right. imposter it, syndrome it includes and, some big names and all that and, and it's i guess it's deeper than am i worthy it's um it's you know what how do i want to get this word out do i want to reach out to this huge audience yeah is what is this big audience going to do it, it brings up these things of fear and uncertainty but we're already in uncertainty and so i don't know i'm kind of like evolving into this into this side of you know that's a well, great fucking point 
Which one? Yeah. I don't, I don't mean to cut you. You want to finish yeah, what you were saying? No, go ahead. Go ahead. About we're already in uncertainty. Yeah. 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 So I guess I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll continue on that. So because we're in this uncertainty and I have these uncertain feelings, maybe they're just canceling each other out and it's saying the only thing that's certain is uncertainty. So I'll just keep doing things that I'm uncertain about. And maybe that's the growth. Wow. That's that's such a great fucking point, man. Because it's like we're almost like forced now into this uncertain in these uncertain times. Yeah. And when you're when you're forced in these uncertain times, it's almost like this attitude comes up in a lot of people, and I feel it myself too. Of like, well, fuck it, you know. Let's see, let's see what happens. You know, yeah. it's kind of like more a more prone to take a risk. I'm more prone to take a creative risk. Uh, you know, something like that. I'm not gonna go out and start licking toilets and stuff like that. Like yeah. some crazy. Well, it's TikTok like the two kid. negatives make a positive. <laughs> it's like the, I'm uncertain about what I'm doing and everything else is uncertain. And so therefore that neutralizes it and it makes it okay. And yeah, it like, I feel like it helps me kind of lean into that fear a little bit more and, and say, fuck it. I'm just going to do this and see what happens and learn from it. And you know, if this whole thing lifts and we're back in person, cool. If it continues, then also cool because either way it's it's a it's a learning process and i i think what helps more than anything is that knowing that we're all in it together yeah which is a bigger lesson in itself that i think says if if we can take that lesson how else can we all be in it together how can we all support each other to be the best versions of ourselves yeah and it's so analogous of a psychedelic experience too because you know uncertain times like when you take psychedelics you can go to an uncertain place you know for sure you know especially in a ceremonial setting and i'm thinking of i'm thinking of the ayahuasca center that i was at where everybody comes in with their baggage and their stories feeling like isolated with their problems like you know this is specific to me no one could ever possibly understand and then as we drink the medicine and as the process like unfolds more like all that shit just like it's like you're thrust into this uncertainty and then boom you have to kind of like you you have to come to this point where you're just like well fuck it i'm just going to tell everybody how fucked up i am and share everything you know because that's the part of the healing process yeah absolutely uh, have you tripped during the, uh, during the, I guess, stay at home yeah. orders? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to share anything about that experience? Well, I didn't take a big dose. Okay. Yeah. So, but I plan on doing uh, a bigger dose. Yeah. Okay. Did you get any insights that you wanted to share? Um, yeah, the insight, like it's the insight that I have is that, that nothing is really stable it's only stable by the kind of agreements that we make to hold up what the illusion of stability mm. I and mean, we're floating on a rock in the middle of nowhere we're birthed into being like magic and why you know what are we what are we doing like what is this you know yeah so it's like nothing is stable nothing is permanent you know and so yeah the lesson that i got was like a lesson of impermanence yeah. You know, even in this relationship situation that I've, I've had recently, you know, I had to kind of like tangle with the fact that it's probably not permanent, you know, and am I going to be okay with that? You know? And then I thought, well, nothing is permanent Yeah, and we want to, and we want, and we want so bad to hold on to something and, 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 and keep it for ourselves in this little tuck it away in this little box yeah you know? that's it it's it's the control it's needing to have it mm -hmm. and this fear that oh when it's gone well then 
you know, what, what's anything worth if it's just going to go away? And I think the best lesson I've ever gotten in impermanence was, uh, was at Burning Man last year, uh, where there were these beautiful art exhibits. And then at the end of the week, they burn them all down. Right. What are you doing? <laughs> These <laughs> right. are amazing. Why would you burn this down? It's but you just spent all this time. Oh my god, that's right. I just realized that is the most the creating most this. every year that's the lesson yeah. of impermanence. Right. And it's like this is amazing and then just boom, gone. And I didn't realize like that that made them almost that much more special. And there were some that I didn't get to see and I was there to see them burn and I was like, Well shit, I didn't enjoy this while it was here. Yeah. And I think impermanence teaches us more than anything to appreciate the moment, appreciate the people, appreciate the things that you truly value that won't be there. Right. Yeah. When I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote Jason Silva quoting Alan de Botton, who's runs the school of life and is a philosopher and writer, and he talked about He's like, he cries when, he doesn't cry most most of the time because of a sad or tragic situation, but the the real cries are the ones of the recognition of the ultimate beauty of something that's passing, that isn't there to, to stay, that it's something that's fleeting, that it's never attainable, but it's so beautiful in that moment and so in, enjoying it in that for what it is yeah 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 we cry when we witness immense beauty but yeah maybe it's deeper than just immense beauty it's knowing that that beauty is is impermanent whether it's just a sunny day knowing that clouds are going to come or night is going to fall uh or a flower knowing that the seasons change uh you know or humans knowing that we're not going to be here forever man you're hitting on something real deep now because it's like our entire civilization is structured around that we're going somewhere that we're getting to something that we're all like that the thing is coming the thing is coming this fucking great alan watts talk on youtube that i like where he says you know the point of the point of life isn't to like get to some thing it's like life is like music the point of music isn't to get to one crashing chord at the end it's to dance along the way you know like what's the point of dancing it's just to fucking dance yeah <laughs> i mean that's yeah the uh the Alchemist, I think, is the best book about that. You know, just that uh, the destination is the journey, mm -hmm. or the journey is the destination. You know, it's it's our process, it's our practice, it's our ritual, uh, and it's our every single moment that uh, that should be the most cherished versus where we're trying to go. Uh, I think the key is picking maybe instead of destinations, checkpoints along the way to then work back and say, you know, what is my daily practice to get there? That's going to bring me the most joy. Imagine if that was like our mainstream media, like imagine if the way that the world was structured was in this kind of way with these values and with these insights where you would turn on the television, it would be like, hi, I'm just here to, to remind you today to, to check in, to, to see what's important in your life. And like, that's the news report, let's, like a part of the that. news report. Let's create a new news. Maybe we will. Maybe yeah. we should. Yeah. Like a little weekend update, but uh, but new age style. Yeah, just like a, I mean, yeah. Has anyone done that before? Like, is there like a new age like news network? I don't know. There should be. Let's figure it out. If not, let's do it. Right. But just imagine how amazing that would be on this mass. Like I, I condemn, you know, and disparage like leaders, but leaders from an authoritarian position is what I condemn and disparage. Leaders from like real leaders are leaders that lead by example mm -hmm. that like show the way and that encourage with like wisdom, you know, great teachers, right? Same thing. Great teachers don't like tell you what to, th to think. They tell you, they invite you to get curious about thinking, you know? And yeah. Imagine if we just had those like embedded in our, 
in our world. I mean, I think I, that's that's the place that I would like to see us go. But I think it starts from the ground up at the individual level with everybody conquering their own individual fear and then creating and thinking outside the box and yeah. coming together and you know and that, and that continues it's a pattern a yeah. cycle well I, I think it's more about having the right questions and the right answers uh yeah again definitely. because of this impermanence the answer might be something in the moment or because of someone's interpretation but by asking the question you invite a new perspective you invite a new way of seeing something you invite new knowledge uh, but questions yeah. aren't welcome in this current paradigm because questions raise uncertainty and right. the way that the dominant civil civilizational structures operate is on certainty. Right. But again, because we have this gift of uncertainty that I've been really struggling with and now I'm finally seeing it as a gift, uh, that offers us the ability to ask questions that were shunned or scoffed at before. Right. It's now like, well, fuck it. I mean... No one's making any money, you know, in tons of different industries. Oil just went to negative per barrel because there's so much extra oil that no one's using. Like, maybe we should rethink some things. What's, yeah. What are, what are we not doing in the best way? Yeah, and to invoke Alan Watts again, he talks about the society that doesn't allow for the outsider. The society doesn't allow for the, the man on the hill, you know, the traditional role of the shaman. Like, the one that questions things, the one that asks the questions is insane you know you're insane because you don't have a counterpoint narrative all you have is the point mm -hmm. you know so it's time to introduce the counterpoint narrative yeah or i don't even think there should be a counterpoint just many other points yeah well the, totally you know? yeah yeah it's time to introduce new narratives and, right and, and bring in more of a collective narrative and, and thoughts from many people instead of just you know a, a 70 plus year old white spokesperson for supposedly millions of people right Ima imagine if like imagine if you had like some outside person that like came and lived in your home and like told you like what to eat and like what to do you'd be like what the fuck like that's not gonna that's not gonna work like you know my i said this recently too like my favorite moments of life is when like friends get together to go on like a camping trip or like a cabin by the lake or like a ski trip or something and it's like you have a group of people and everybody is like chipping in and helping and like you know that kind of way of like organizing seems to be what we really in, as humans enjoy i think a lot of people can relate to that you know packing up the car going to the beach meeting your friends you, you bring the frisbee i got the beers like cool like you know I'll barbecue you you go to the supermarket and get the stuff and it's like that the joy of like making those decisions and coming together you know I love that shit no that one was, wants to have like some dictator in that right. group that was my training <laughs> for good cinema it was it was setting up uh, group friends trips and, and setting up festivals and like you know doing these things that involve creating fun experiences for people I get so much enjoyment out of that because it becomes this kind of uh, co-creative thing that the intention is for us to have as most fun as possible and so it's you know what what are the fun drinks and drugs and food and toys and all these things that we're bringing and where are we going and what are we doing and uh you know, it becomes just this this fun celebration, uh, celebration of life. Yeah, man. and it's celebration about coming out of the chrysalis. Bonds. Yes, letting our wings right. spread and so fly. So how can we celebrate ourselves and our lives and each other? And um, shit, I mean, that's if anything comes out of this, it's a celebration. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, have you? So one of the conspiracies about this this crisis right now is that people are like oh, 5g is causing it you know the 5g radiation is causing the coronavirus and have you heard of that 
Uh, not enough to comment on it. Yeah. So I, I heard. I don't it. know what I believe, but go. I, ahead. I heard about it. I looked into it. I heard some compelling arguments, but then I thought about it after reading some articles and watching some videos, and um, and I and I came to the conclusion that like, it's actually detrimental to introduce these kinds of ideas, even if it's just like. A thought like you know but they take off so much so there's like so many people that think that 5g is causing it you know so once you introduce these ideas and we live in this like crazy like multiverse of fractalized realities where memes just like just shoot out into the multi you know into our atmosphere and we hook onto them because we want meaning we want to believe in something we want like a simple answer to define complex uncertain chaotic times and I thought about it. I was like, it actually muddies the water of what the real danger of 5G represents or what 5G is. And the real danger of 5G, in my opinion, is that it represents the advancement of the toxic dominator ideology of separation, isolation, disconnection, you know, where everyone's like producers and consumers and without buy-in from the people. Yeah. Well, well, but it, it come it comes in in this buy-in of uh, things are going to be better, like things are going to be cooler. You're going to have faster speed, faster connection. You're going to have virtual reality. You're going to have all this stuff. But I don't remember being asked or polled. Do you want these better things? But we're all we all kind of like just this assumed thing. We all just tacitly like maybe consent. I was fine with three G. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the world was better when we weren't watching fucking memes all the time. Right. And I think there are <laughs> real health concerns, too, about 5G as well. Just sure. like there are with, like, I mean, EMF radiation, right? Like, sure. you go on Instagram, you can see ads yeah. for people selling boxers that prevent EMF radiation Yeah, from your just phone. having wireless in your home. I mean, yeah. I watched this documentary that I don't know how true or fear-mongering it was, but, it, I mean, this guy in it was, and this guy that had a talk afterwards, said that everything in his home is hardwired. And so I, I don't know. What I do know is that I, I, I do know that we can manifest our own sicknesses. And so if we believe 5G really is going to do these things, in some people it probably will. Uh, and as JFK said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Uh, I think we... Did JFK I, say that? I don't know. Someone did. <laughs> Dude, I love As I love when said. quotes get like attributed. Like there's like so many. He probably quotes did, attributed but he might have quoted it. Someone was else, like, it was FDR. Oh, yeah, it was FDR. It was FDR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have nothing to fear but fear yeah. itself. So this is a day that that's we'll right. That's why I heard it recently. In infamy, this new deal, and where we're at now, and all that. Right. But anywho, I mean, yeah, that's it, right? It's like the the fear that we build up, and these conspiracy theories, and these stories, and these thoughts, and it's like, well, maybe they are true, but what's our way of responding is our way of responding by throwing more fear at it or is it by building a new paradigm and showing a new creative way of addressing the same challenges i don't know i yeah no i mean these things are like really fun to talk about and like i love entertaining them and but it really does just get back to that idea of people needing to do this individually you know like really going inward and facing your your fears your traumas your demons healing and then having proper support community and integration to bring f that forward you know and so you know no one's going to do that from like a top down level but i what i do think is i do think that it's the artists and the creators the musicians the poets that inspire people to make those changes that inspire people like i've been inspired by like all my inspiration comes from artists and musicians and movies and poets and authors like 
who the fuck is inspired by like the stock market? <laughs> like, yeah, I saw the Dow go up 50 points. I'm, I just got an epiphany. I'm going to create this wonderful land of love. And like, you know, well, it's like religion versus spirituality. You know, religion right. is this thing that's based exactly. on power and fear and dominance. And spirituality is a, it's a thing that's within you. And they're both supposed to get to the same place. Uh, center of the Tootsie Roll pop. Yeah, but but I believe that spirituality, I think spirituality is a part of a lot of religion. And uh, those that are very religious that I know uh, that seem to be the most compassionate and, and less judgmental are the ones that have the most spirituality involved and less of the dogmatic religious side of I'm right and you're wrong and I'm absolute and I know everything uh, and if you do this you're going to hell and this bad thing's going to happen and uh, yeah there's there's just so much room like you said for us to look deep within ourselves find that love and and uh, and honor our higher self by by doing that what a fucked up ideology like any anybody that preaches anything that says you better do this or else you're going to a bad place is completely fucked. You know, I mean, that's just like, and, and it works because of fear, you know, it works because of fear. And it's like this fucking quote that I quote all the fucking time that maybe people are probably sick of, but it's so amazing from like Hitler's right hand man during the Nuremberg trials, Hermann Goering basically said like, if people are scared and afraid, you can convince them of anything. You know, and the, for the people that aren't scared and afraid, you can just denounce them as being pacifists and say that they're not loyal to the protection of unity of the country. So he's like, it's really easy to just move people to do anything. And it works in every nation and every religion and everything. Just tell them that they're being attacked and denounce the people that, that disobey or dissent. Yeah. And then yeah. people turn on each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the scariest Our criminal thing. justice system is very much that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. This... Uh, yeah, this stick and this labeling and uh, this fear of, of them and, and the otherings. And uh, so, so when, again, we have an opportunity like this that shows us how tightly woven we truly are, so much so that we can't even be within six feet of one another, uh, that's how connected we are, that we have to be physically separated in our physical forms to not spread this thing that can biologically kill us. Uh, that opens up a lot of room for opportunity and creativity. Uh, one might say it opens up a lot of room for control and fascism, which, okay, but now we have tools uh, in our belt that we can pull out, like the internet. And yeah. uh, we can really connect and organize and spread ideas and spread new thoughts and dreams and, and really create something amazing. Don't you feel like the internet is like back to its like original... In like intended yeah, for Al Gore now. would be proud. <laughs> yeah, like like I'm seeing that more and more people are using the internet as a way to connect and to get like when AOL first came out, like people were like, oh, let's like go online and like just talk to people. And like I remember like when Twitter and Facebook first came out, like people would just post things like getting a coffee at Starbucks, like you know playing frisbee in the park, like 
status update. Yeah, you know? it was cool to update. What it was cool doing? to update what I'm doing. Check into my location. Yeah. Look at my where. Find my friends. See where I'm at. Like, because that is the what would people want. We want this connection. So somewhere along the way, we've got lost in that with like you know comments and polarization and you know a lot of hatred and things like that. But I do get this sense of now that the internet is kind of being used a lot more to connect and to see family and friends and have Zoom calls and you know all this stuff. It's it's nice to see. Yeah, it it really is. Uh, yeah, the only ads I see now are for like home workout equipment, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it seems much less at least right now about you know where this new Instagram or where the next Instagram model is at, and and they're at their homes, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> just showing new virtual backgrounds from everywhere. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> could be hanging over this waterfall. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, instead of it being, it, at least it seems to me that instead of it being this big thing of here's here's what I'm doing now, check me out, look at me, you know, this big kind of form of uh, narcissism. And it's become these, I've just seen a lot of kind of deep introspective questions coming out and, and it really turning into, in a lot of cases, like constructive dialogue and, and a lot of kind of events to really help kind of bring people together and... Uh, yeah, it's been beautiful to see more of the connecting versus dividing side of what the internet is capable of. Yeah. I mean, it's great. And I love like the, the resilience and like the adaptability that we're able to like keep the silver linings and like go with something that's bad and create something that's good. But then there's also a part of Charles Eisenstein's essay, The Coronation, that I really, that really appealed to me too, which he said like, how much are we willing to sacrifice in the name of safety and security and health? Like, how much are we willing to sacrifice? Into, what kind of a world do we want to be in? Do we want to be in a world where we can never come close to each other, that we have to stay six feet apart? Like, human beings need physical touch. We need to be in the in the mere presence of each other, you know? Let me turn it on the, its face. What are we willing to sacrifice uh, in the face of economic health? Right. Well, yeah. I mean, elaborate on that. Well, I mean, for so long, it's been status quo. Our, our economy's great. The Dow is like the highest it had ever been, uh, which is weird, right? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, people, well, yeah, income for the middle-class family hasn't gone up in years. Uh, the Dow is skyrocketing. Right. And so, so as the stock market goes up and, and that financial health looks really, really good, our healthcare system is failing. Our education system is failing. Um, everything basically, except for our military and prison industrial complexes are failing. Um, pharmaceutical, we'll throw that in there too. Um, outside of those systems, everything else was kind of failing, but it's almost like the the economic system acts as a mask. Uh, it is, yeah. It's, it's a mask. Whereas I mean, health, or personal health, that's the mask being stripped away. Right. And I think that's the big difference is now we have both of them being stripped away. And, and so I think it's our time and time out. And that's kind of what we're sacrificing in the face of a health crisis. It's, you know, nope, we're, we're keeping the mask off too. And, yeah. and we're not going to come back until we're ready and it's it's gonna really suck for people which really sucks yeah. it really does uh but i i think like anything uh we have to open the wound and clean it out to heal that's what it is right like the the true state of the economy is a life raft with like seventy five thousand holes in it and every thing that you just mentioned you know like the pharmaceutical industry the Dow these are things that are being artificially propped up to keep things going as status quo and normal so we just keep like putting these these 
you know, pieces of tape over all the holes to just keep us afloat. But we're, it's fucked. It's the raft of Swiss cheese, man. It's yeah. not hell. It's not real. Like, I'll give you an example. The Federal Reserve pushed through, um, like all these, the, these regulatory things they used to have that would prevent them from entering into different kinds of asset buying and things like that. The stimulus package that was passed it was like all these trillions of dollars like went to these big banks and corporations and things to keep the economy afloat while kind of like giving people a little like you know peasant like here have a little something and it's like that tells you everything that you need to know about like where this ship is is uh, what the ship is made out of and you know how it's what the structural integrity of it is, is like to, to keep these things afloat. And it's, it's artificial, it's fake. So when they passed the stimulus package for, and decided to give everyone a $1,200 check, you know, they get the money from the Federal Reserve, which just creates it out of thin air. What I, what I said was, I was like, okay, if you're gonna pass a four trillion stimulus package, why not pass a six trillion one? Why not a 10 trillion one? Why not a hundred trillion? Right. And just give everyone a hundred thousand dollars because it does, it wouldn't make sense because then we would all realize this is all fake. Yeah, well, and instead of basing our retirements, our 401ks on the market and social security, which is gonna run out, like why not just make it to where people are cared for? And, you know, it's like this universal basic income thing, make it graduated to where when you hit a certain age, you get more because your like your level of working is or your likelihood of working is probably less. And it just it seems like common sense things of taking care for people. And then it's like, well, where are we going to get the money? Well, no one ever asks where are we going to get the money when we talk about building billion dollar planes and ships and missiles and, and all this shit just to to posture ourselves against other countries. Right, yeah. You know, and it's like, well, well, that affords us freedom. Well, does it? How, how do we have more freedom than other places that have basic needs met and have the freedom to pursue creative opportunities and have stable housing and education and, uh, and healthcare and yeah, you know, food yeah. on the table. And, you know, these are all part of kind of more social socialist systems, which is kind of a bad word. And I'm not advocating for socialism as much as I'm advocating for us as humans having our basic needs met. So we have much more upward mobility, especially those uh, in marginalized communities uh, to really reach the higher levels of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, because that's how we're going to evolve as humans. Totally, man. And I think it's like, forget about all the isms. It's just a ma simple matter of fact of like, you know, if you like if I you know if, if say like you you're you got like uh, evicted from your house or something like that or like you had like a, a hurricane like hit and you know you had to although there's no hurricanes coming to Denver hopefully but if you were in a terrible situation and you needed something your friends would all step up to help you you know and that we're so far detached from thinking of society and the government and stuff as being a group of friends, you know, a group of people. Even like the 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 fact that we don't know a lot of our neighbors and things like that. Like, um, you know, I was thinking when I moved into my new place, like I was like, yeah, I'm on like a block. There's like people. Like, like it would be great to like go door to door and be like, hey, I'm Mike. Like I just moved into the neighborhood. Just want to introduce myself. No one. People would be like, what the fuck? Like, what is this? This is weird. Get away from me. Get off my lawn, man. But that tells you like how far disconnected we are from from a lot of things, because I think everyone would agree that it would be great to have like this interconnected web of people that can depend on each other if they needed each other. And that is the kind of ism that we should be 
aspiring to. I think. Yeah, I uh, I met this guy in Bali. Uh, his name's Benjamin. I love how we're just like both like preaching to yeah. each other too. Right. By the way, we're like, this is what we yeah. need. Yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah. Uh, no, I met this guy in Bali named Benjamin, and uh, he's starting something now called like the Global Consciousness Project, uh, which is really cool. But um, he he was talking to me about an idea called contributionism and you know we talk about these isms right and um and i just thought that was interesting because it was it was based on you know your contribution to the community and you know based on what you're saying i think that makes so much sense if we're to look at a new world i think we have to start looking at what our values are and basing our systems of trade on values and true values things that we as the people value um, that aren't just there for forms of control and power but are there to really help lift each other up so we can become our best selves Um, we have to shift our goal to becoming evolved as humans and to become more conscious of what we're doing as a form of living our best lives it feels good to help other people too yeah you know like it feels really good to help others and and also there's that knowing of that if you ever needed anything that you would be helped too, like you're not alone, you know, you don't have to rely on some, you know, group of people wearing suits, debating laws and things like that in some faraway place that you can actually depend on the people that are around you and that they can depend on you, you know? Um, yeah, there's a, this quote that Chris Ryan says a lot, which he says, the best place for, the best place for food is in your friend's belly. You know, it's like rather than like hoarding things and like stacking things up. And it's like from an indigenous, it's like an indigenous saying. Uh, and it's like, yeah, the, the best place to have extra things that you have is for other people to enjoy. Now I understand why Jerry was giving Kramer so much food. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't Jerry say, you know what, enough of this, like you're cut out of my life because he loves Kramer, Yeah, you know, and Kramer comes over and does whatever he wants. And he's a little, he's not really aware of, of it. And Jerry puts up with it because he loves them yeah. and they're friends. Yeah, <laughs> totally. We, I think we all have friends like that. I have a friend like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's and great. It's like, it, I love the guy. He's yeah. just, it feels good to give and it feels good to, um, yeah, to contribute and to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And I think that's where a lot of us kind of, uh, at least in in the corporate world kind of lose it because it seems like what we're doing is really just helping a small amount of people make more money or it's just keeping the wheels running of something that may not be doing much in the world and it feels like we're not really contributing to something and that's where i think the deep disconnection lies at least that's where it did for me yeah because it it comes down to like what you talked about before i think i'm gonna sit down again It, it comes back to what you were talking about before about the uh um the uh, like sort of being separate and like being out for just yourself like because you have to make these sacrifices and these concessions so that you can play the game so that you can survive and like so many people are in that state where they're like forced with a choice like I got a family I got a wife I got kids like I have to play the game so I can survive and you know that's when we find ourselves in that state you know and we're maybe now is a time where people are starting to think a little bit more and you know a lot of people who can or a lot of people are working from home and and you know maybe some people start thinking like is this really what I want to do yeah I I think a lot of people are especially now because they're not 
with the community that was at their work. And in a lot of cases, at least for me, you know, when I was working in a, in a corporate job and with startups and, uh, it was being in the office and being among community and among coworkers that were good friends of mine, uh, that made it worth going in, even when I didn't like what I was doing or who I was doing it for that sense of community made it worth it. And I felt like I was contributing to them and, and that, helped keep me in it and I think when that's gone uh, it's like the veil lifts and it's exposed for what it really is and it for a lot of people I think it might be empty but like you said they they need it they need it to continue to pay the bills and care for family and and back to the question you asked you know well what are we sacrificing in the face of this health crisis you know this brings up the deeper question of of what are we sacrificing in the face of you know these things that we that we feel that we deserve for all mm. the work that we put in and and you right. know why can't it just be easier to say okay i you know i went to school and paid all this money and put all these hours in and then i've worked for this company you know for a long time or multiple companies for a while now i want to do what i want to do why can't that be an easy option and an easy transition? Why does it have to be a, a choice? There's a lot to overcome. That's two. why, you know? Yeah. There's a lot to overcome. Have you read Sebastian Younger's book, Tribe? No. Oh, you should read it. It's a good book. Okay. Not too long. It's great. But he makes this point about like what you were saying about being in the office with people that you got along with and stuff. Like he draws the example cause he was, uh, with troops in Afghanistan, I believe. And he said, like, they weren't fighting for America, for the president, for the people. They were fighting for each other. Like, yeah, maybe they signed up for some other reason. Maybe they're disillusioned. Maybe it's not what they thought it was going to be. But when it came down to it, everything was all about your group of, of soldiers, who you were with. You're in the trenches. You're fighting with them. And I think that's a great mentality to bring to, to the world that we live in, you know? It's like, do it for the, the people that you're around, the people that you care about. Like, I was feeling a little in despair recently, and my nephew called me up, my four-year-old nephew and my niece, who's, who's two, and they're just so adorable, and I love them so much. And it just it was a great reminder of me to, like, yeah, I want to do things, like, for them, too. Like, I want to create a better world for them. And if I have kids one day, like, to, for a better world for them, like, make them proud, make them feel inspired, show them a way, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I love that analogy too. I mean, yeah, the veterans I've met as well, it's, they're, they're fighting for their brothers next to them. Uh, and I think that's what, I think that's one of the hardest parts about now is, it, you know, right now I'm in a park where there's people all over the place, very socially distanced. Uh, but I feel uh -huh. part of humanity being out here and being on walks and, you know, getting outside in the sun. Yeah. In the sun. Nourishing. But so often kind of just being inside and being isolated, uh, you, you lose sense of that. And I, I think that's kind of part of the, the, the feelings of despair and grief and loss of identity are that, you know, who are we if not in relation to others? Who are we if not connected to others? It's like the African word Ubuntu. You know, it's, it's our, uh, you know, our life force and our meaning of life is through that connection with others. We gain our purpose of self through connection. Yeah. And I think it's really bringing to the surface this deep, deep need to be connected to others because rather than calling someone or texting someone, what are we doing now? FaceTiming, Zoom calls. Like we want so desperately to be seen and connected with others that we want that we they were they were doing it now through this medium of technology, you know, this virtual space. Yeah. Um 
but there's there's still that need. <laughs> we're virtual, but there's still that need to be in person that oh, I, I totally. just I just felt because yeah. I'm with you in person right now, yeah. and we could have done this virtually. Uh, but I said let's do it, and you know we're we're safe. We're outside. We're maybe four feet away instead of six, but. Uh, right. You know, for the most part, we're, we're, well, I meant even just, just to clarify my example yeah. too, is like, I have friends back in New York yeah. and friends that I haven't really even talked to in a long time. Sure. Sure. And rather like, rather than texting or calling or whatever, or even just the fact that we all re- decided to reach out and connect with each other, but we wanted to do it so we could see each other too. That's a good point. Yeah. I guess in my kind of just going through the motions of every day, being busy, in this pre-COVID world, uh, yeah, I would just I would text people and rarely call and almost never uh, show my face and be on video. Uh, and I had tape over my uh, my camera for so long after yeah, watching too, that Black yeah. Mirror episode. Yeah. I recently just got one of those slider things so I can you know shut it if I want and open it if I want. Oh shit! I got to get one of those. Yeah, they're they're good. Uh, like five bucks on Amazon. Nice. Or somewhere else if you don't want to support them. Uh, <laughs> so I uh, I've recently just realized how how wonderful that is and how much more enriching it is instead of just getting that seven percent of content from someone. I'm gaining much more because I'm able to read their body language. I may not be sharing their energy, but I'm able to see them and see their smile. And, and there's so much warmth that comes from that type of a connection versus just the content of what needs to be shared. Yeah. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah. Like so much of, uh, you know, I, 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 you're having a uh, Gabor Mate on the panel and, uh, for journeys to the edge of consciousness. And, you know, he, he talks so well about, you know, the society that we're in and, and the people who are affected with trauma and coping mechanisms. And then, and, you know, he worked with addicts. I mean, the guy is just so phenomenal and he has so much to say about healing on an individual level. And I've also heard him talk really eloquently and, and deeply about, uh, the toxic culture, you know, that we live in as well. And he's really, really uh great on that and yeah i just i think that uh you know it's like what what i liked about that documentary that movie that film it was so beautifully animated and i had rob on the show and it was a great conversation and and uh but there was this moment like where tim leary was like talking about like living in this kind of world where he had just been going with the flow and he's like he's like I'm the parent and this is my daughter and this is like my role and this is my identity and all that was like shattered and he has this great quote I forget what it was he's like but there was no going back after that he's like I knew I was destined to walk with the mutants and like you know go into a a whole other direction you know he, he talks he always like uses these words leery about like like masquerading and like you know we're puppets and we're wearing masks and it's all a charade and yeah, I love that. It's so much about, uh, at least each of those kind of animated clips are so much about kind of the transformation that occurs in each of uh, the individuals, uh, Aldous Huxley, Timothy Leary, and Alan Watts. Uh, and just, I got to give huge credit to uh, to the voice actors on there, uh, the wonderful job they did, and the, the animators. Uh, this I, I love that kind of minimal animation. But to, to the content, just, just hearing that transformation of how they've gotten a a beautiful opportunity to see life in a new way from a new perspective uh yeah i I feel that that's us now and and we're we're looking at things in a completely different way now because everything is operating in a different way and before you know a month or two months ago rather 
had we have asked ourselves, you know, could you imagine all this? We would have said, hell no. There's no way that's going to happen. No one's going to let that happen. No one's going to stand for that. And here we all are, and we're breathing, and most are still living, and you know, we're for the most part, we're we're doing just fine, uh, and we're starting to realize what truly matters. We're becoming more grateful. We're becoming more appreciative, um, and we're finding solace in each other. And um, yeah. I just think that's so beautiful. You said something about like we're breathing, and I heard you kind of like take a breath too, and it just reminded me of like how important that is. Like whether I'm doing an intentional breathing practice or a meditation, or just finding myself getting caught up in the stuff that I'm doing throughout the day and I just have time to take one deep breath like and on psychedelics when you breathe everything is like clearer and you feel into your body more and you're like oh my god I'm really fucking in this thing like this is really happening like I'm really here this is really like this fucking meat suit that breathes and like we're now in this position where we have the opportunity to take like a real collective like planetary breath nature is getting to breathe too right well and our bodies is really one of the only places we can be right now i guess we could also be in our heads uh, but we can't be inside many places and so you know and getting in our heads doesn't always serve us especially in these times when fear is amplified you know now it's it's time for us to get into our hearts uh which is a part of our body and and start to feel things and it's okay to feel the bad uh i I have a a quote that i made up or like well i'm I'm always trying to like see like just make up who said like the egotistical part of me is always like I want like good like sayings like I want to like have like a good saying you know and so I thought I said like uh, yeah sometimes you have to go out of your mind to get into your heart yeah yeah absolutely yeah I love that so much uh, quote me someone yeah. make a meme of that yeah yeah I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll quote you and someone else will come out and say they said it first <laughs> <laughs> yeah well because so many of the people that i love and admire you know i find the, these great quotes of theirs and i like to share them and talk about them and yeah i just feel like well, what that brings up for me is like flow state right like uh yeah. he was out of his mind you know he was just performing at the top uh yeah that's what flow state is it's, right. it's coming straight from your heart and your passion and, and being in something to where you're not even thinking about it in your conscious mind your subconscious mind is a million times more powerful so it's able to do that uh, but we get ourselves caught up in this slow slog of a of a mind that just keeps playing things on repeat um, instead of getting to our heart and, and allowing us to kind of change the track if you will yeah that's how this whole fucking civilizational sham has been operated to like make you cut off from that inner voice from that intuition from yeah. that intuitive space of being a child at play and wonder and yeah. curiosity and joy you let's know? get stuck in the rational mind for a long time and just yeah. rip ourselves from the inside because it's too hard to uh exist in this empty cauldron yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> cool man oh well but yeah with uh with the sun shining down and us sitting in the park in this beautiful day uh, yeah, I'd have to say uh, that was by far one of the better conversations about life in this situation that I've had. And uh, what a gift. I'm surrounded by dogs and children and families and friends and people are throwing Frisbees and eating sandwiches and just living life. Yeah, the trees, the sun, the yeah. sky. Yeah, I, I I mean, you know, we want, we're, we're like definitely... Yeah, it's just it's just another another thing that really truly wraps me up in this state of like yeah, it's obvious to say it, but I just feel it so much 
which is the feeling of like slowing down and like observing and paying attention and just like enjoying the sun and enjoying the trees and like you know that that is something that comes up quite a bit for me also and obviously for a lot of people in psychedelic experiences how many stories have you had heard about someone who's like yeah and I just like st stared at this blade of grass for like an hour and I just talked to this insect and it's like yeah because everything is fucking amazing everything is alive and interesting if we only fucking pay attention yeah that's that's so true just the little things and that's what I've loved so much about all the walks I've taken lately is just looking at the flowers and that's sometimes that's all you need and that was that was the thing about the 60s like hippie movement that got you know like so many people like tend to look at that now and go oh well they you know too fast too soon and it was you know blowback and leary was out of his rocker and made things worse but they had the right fucking idea flower children you know dancing around tree getting, huggers yeah hugging tree like the it was all like love 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 and i mean yeah, I, that's the spirit that I worship or whatever, you know, yeah, subscribe to. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. It's, you know, if, if you're not causing harm and, and you're happy and, you know, why, why is there a threat? And if there is a threat, shouldn't we be questioning those who are saying that's a threat in totally. and of itself? Like, yeah. Love and is the shouldn't message. it be a telltale sign that, that you're not bad? allowed to question? Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a, uh, it's an interesting world we're in today, Mike. Uh, it's always an interesting world. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. It's always an interesting I guess world. It's these pauses that help us realize how interesting it is because we get out of that autopilot. Uh, you know, and I thought of this analogy the other day. Uh, if the hamster stops, does the wheel keep running? And uh, right, yeah. well, I forget this study, bringing up hamsters and wheels. There was a study on on lab lab mice. I think it was like an addiction study where they were like feeding them a drip of like cocaine and yeah. You familiar with this one? Yeah, yeah. Where the mice in the cage with just the cocaine kept taking it and taking it, and taking it, and got addicted. And there were other mice that were um, in community, or sorry, it was just one mouse. But then there was another one where they were in community with others, and they had wheels and toys and uh, snacks and all these other things. And they they took some of the drips, but just a little bit. You know, imagine that was like their music festival where they'd take a little bit, and the other might have been like a junkie where they didn't have support they were isolated they didn't feel that there was any you know hope in living and by having community by having other things and support uh the mice thrived and so can we yeah totally here's to the thriving mice of mice and men for sure should we wrap this thing up sure cool man is there a way you like to wrap these up no, just by kind of, I feel like we we got into a groove of like yeah. back and forth back and forth yeah, yeah. about like our kind of uh uh, you know, positions and insights and philosophical understandings well, of the world. I can put a little uh, upcoming event promo uh, bow on it, and then you can yeah. put your mycadelic seal at the end. Seal of approval. Yeah. So uh, this virtual connection fest, uh, we're kicking off on Earth Day in two days, uh, starting at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard t or Mountain Daylight Time. We're in now. Uh, the website is goodcinema.co/slash/connectionfest. And that's where you'll be able to see our next few events. Uh, then again, Friday, we're doing Finding Joe. Uh, and on Sunday at, uh, yeah, that's going to be 6 p.m. as well. And then on Sunday at 1 p.m., uh, we're doing Journeys to the Edge of Consciousness. And uh, we're going to have some musical guests uh, for all three of those. Uh, the 
producer of uh, the Psychedelica series, Ben Stewart. He's going to be playing us some acoustic tunes on Wednesday before we get started. On Friday before we get started, we're going to have uh, Brett Randell, a local acoustic musician here in Denver. And then on Sunday, uh, we're going to be having uh, a friend, uh, John Paul Maxfield uh, from Coal Town Reunion, joining us as well. Uh, Check out his band. They're amazing. uh, ColeTownReunion.com, BrettRandell.com for his music, and BenJosephStewart.com for his tunes as well. Uh, And uh, yeah, I hope you can all uh, join us. Again, GoodCinema.co slash ConnectionFest. We're going to have Gabor Mate on Sunday, um, all filmmakers, and uh, it's really going to be an engaging time where we allow uh, people to be seen and heard through interactive uh, movement, discussion, music, uh, and breakout groups. Um, so hope you all can join us. Uh, much love. Sweet, man. Thanks, dude. Yeah, always a pleasure spending time with you and, and rapping on waxing poetic and philosophical. Um, yeah, well, I'll put a, I'll put all those links in there. Maybe if you can get, send me the links and stuff, I'll, I'll throw them in the show notes so people yep. can go and click on them and stuff. Totally. Yeah, we'll do that. And uh, a social channel, at Good Cinema Co., at Good Cinema Co., is our handle on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us. Do whatever you want to do there. Yeah, thanks. Love y'all. Nice. And it's it's great cinema, folks. I'm, re- I'm rebranding for you right now. <laughs> fantastic cinema. Uh, yeah, fantastic, tremendous cinema. Well, yeah, that's about it. You guys know where to find me uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Mikeadelic underscore podcast. Go to my website, mikebrank.com, and uh, message me. I always love hearing from uh, from all you wonderful people out there, and let me know how you're doing, what you're doing. As always, send me any kind of like art or things like that that you want to promote. If you want to support, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five star rating and review, and uh, you know if you can, go to Patreon too. Um, and then, yeah, that's. Uh, way to support as well and then join the mycadelic inner sanctum chat group which i may be moving to discord i feel like discord is a cool way to to chat but we'll talk about that but anyway whatever we do it's uh, much appreciated and uh yeah i really am sincere about that like kind of collaboration piece of things too because uh i think that that's really a sort of value that i believe in is like helping support each other's work and and uh creativity enabling creativity and stuff as well so yeah i I don't feel like i'm disconnected from the people that listen to this show i feel like we're kind of more closely intimately connected and uh so i'm just like one of you and uh, we all help each other. If I can just add one thing there too, I, I completely echo that. And I remember the first podcast I did with you, Mike, uh, we talked a lot about that. And uh, and I just want to say, as I you know put this online film festival together, uh, if we need to stay in the digital world longer, um, and even not, you know, I want to continue to create more co-creative experiences. So, uh, so yeah, check out goodcinema.co. Hit me up. Uh, I'm Bill, Bill at goodcinema.co. If, uh, if you are a filmmaker, musician, artist, uh, facilitator of any sort and want to co-create because we're going to be doing more stuff um, either digitally or in person or both depending on what direction we end up from here so thanks awesome yeah so shout out to danny barnett and galaxia for the music that plays us out appreciate you sending me the that stuff and everyone else that sends their stuff and their messages love chatting with you guys until next time be safe be creative inspired and uh live long and prosper peace